Man, the one Sunday they let me make announcements, I blow it. I'll never get to do that again, man. Hey, I wanted to make y'all aware for something that uh, in the second service, uh, we're, it's baby dedication day, and we do that in the second service because when we dedicate babies, it's not just a pretty baby, you know, contest. Man, it is a pretty intense study for parents and preparation, and then they go to another part of the church where they have asked a group of people to come around them and be prayer support for this baby and... I mean, it is a real way to say, God, we believe this baby is from you, and we believe as parents, we are responsible to raise this child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It is a big deal. And uh, so we have 19 babies to dedicate today. I mean, think about that, man. That is crazy. In addition to that, did you know in our church, we have two sets of triplets, four sets of twins, and three sets of twins on the way. And, and, yeah, that's crazy. And one, that's, not only that, but there's countless other uh, single pregnancies happening, man. Y'all are some baby-making people, man. I'm here to tell you. It is amazing. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You know, sadly, in so many churches, you never hear the laughter of kids. It's sad, isn't it? I thank God for what he's doing here. Authority. Just the word creates emotion in us, right? I I mean, if you in your life have authority, you think, authority. (laughs) For most of us, the idea that someone has authority over us just makes us ugh, right? Why is that? Because all of us are born with a sin nature that says no one's going to tell me what to do, right? I mean, don't, don't you have that in you? Or when somebody in authority over you says, go do that. Ugh. You know, at, at a young age, when we first discover that someone can have authority over us, our sin nature bows up and says, you know, you're not the boss of me. We just have that thing in us. You know, when my kids were little and I'd say, hey, you need to go. And they'd say, I don't want to. And I'd say, well, I can change your want to. Right? I mean, I got a want to maker. Why can I say that? Because I have authority over the children in my home, right? Um, When you kind of think of ultimate authority, when when I think of somebody who could have ultimate authority, I I, I think of a king, Not, not, not a president, because, you know, a president of the United States may be the most powerful person in the world, But that's only for a short period of time. And even then, he's accountable to us, the voters, right? But a king is sovereign. If you have a king over a country, he's king for as long as he takes breath. He has absolute authority. That's why I love to refer to Jesus as King Jesus. Ultimate authority 
but not just while he draws breath, but from eternity past to eternity future. I, I love Psalm 93. Look, look what it says. Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord is king. Boom. There it is. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted the pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. Whoa! Don't you love that? King Jesus. God had the authority to, to speak the universe into existence. At the very beginning, God had all authority. He created all things. At the very end, God will have all authority. He will judge all things. But ultimately, everybody has a little bit of authority. Everybody. But all authority is delegated authority. Nobody except King Jesus has authority in and of themselves. Everything else is delegated from King Jesus to other entities and people. But all authority begins and ends with King Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That about covers it, right? I mean, that's all the authority there is. So when we think about authority, we should ask ourselves a couple questions. The authority they're given. For instance, federal, state, local governments have authority over us. Why do they have authority over us? Because in Romans chapter 13, God clearly says he has given governments authority over the citizens under that government. So that means if you're driving down Highway 14, about 120 miles an hour, and you pass a state trooper, now, is that state trooper going to get out of his car and go, slow down. No. You're going to blow past him. You know what he's going to do? Man, he's going to hit that accelerator in that hopped up car. And it's going to go, and it's going to sound like an animal eating up the pavement, man. And about that fast, you're going to look in your rearview mirror and there's going to be blue lights everywhere. Right? Hmm, then he's going to pull you over. You know, they got that hat. 
They look scary, don't they? Even more than that, he's got to <laughs> cost you some money, man. Right. Well, why? Why can he do that? Because King Jesus gave the state of North Carolina authority, which is given to that trooper who has a badge of proof that he's been given that authority. And if you don't want to submit to his authority given from King Jesus to the state of North Carolina down to his badge, he's been trained to change your want to. King Jesus has all authority and delegates authority to governments, to leaders in churches, to parents and families. Unfortunately, in families, a whole lot of parents get that authority over their kids' things backwards, right? I mean, I see parents and their, their kids are saying, you need to go, and the parents going, okay, and I'm going, you need to let me come live with you for about 20 minutes. I mean, what in the world, right? I mean, authority is a gift from God. Authority keeps order. Authority is what makes nations function correctly. Authority comes from King Jesus to this world for very important reasons. But you get that, right? I mean, so all authority belongs to King Jesus. He delegates authority in all kinds of ways to all kinds of people. Not only is it important for us to understand where authority comes from, but also to understand how it should be used, right? So King Jesus gives authority to governments, but if that authority is abused by a tyrannical government, the result will ultimately be revolution. A husband says, honey, God in his word has given me authority over you. Therefore, you have to submit to my authority. Now, is that a true statement? Yes. But if that authority is abused and not used in the loving, sacrificial way the Bible says to use it, like God treats us, the result will be divorce. Or in my case, death. So today, we're going to continue our study of Mark's gospel. And in our text today, we're going to see how people recognized the amazing authority of Jesus. And there's some things we can really learn from this. Uh, so because Jesus has all authority, here's the first thing I want you to know. Write, write this down. He is the source of all truth. Mark 1, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. Now, a little background on Capernaum, prosperous fishing town right there on the Sea of Galilee. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, stop right there. So, um, in Jewish culture, um, synagogues were a big deal. Um, synagogues were established uh, all through the Jewish community during the Babylonian captivity, four to 500 BC. Now the reason that happened, so when the Babylonians came and destroyed Israel, took them captive for 70 years. That is a big deal in the Old Testament. They destroyed 
Solomon's temple, which was the centerpiece of the worship of God Almighty. So because there was no temple, uh, these synagogues popped up in Jewish communities, and synagogues is where they would go worship every Sabbath. They would go and hear Uh, the scripture being taught. Uh, That's where marriages took place. That's where civil meetings happened. So just think in our context, every little local church, every little Jewish community had a synagogue uh, where they would do much the same things we do uh, as a church. Uh, So when Jesus would go into a town, that's where he'd go. And on the Sabbath, he would almost always show up there on the Sabbath to teach or read the scripture in the synagogues. Okay, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real, there's our word, authority. Quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Um, This is one of those times in the Bible, by the way, that I want to be there. This is one of those times, man, I want to be three pews back in the synagogue hearing this, man. Because these people were used to just hearing some kind of boring rhetoric from a rabbi who basically would read a scripture and then talk about what other rabbis think about this scripture. And it was a real yawner, man, no question about it. Here comes Jesus. It's magic, man. This is the first time he's done this, by the way, in his public ministry. Gets the scroll, reads it, and starts explaining what it means. I'd love to know what he was talking about, and the Bible didn't tell us. But whatever he was saying, it had the weight of authority. Not just in it, the weight of the one who has all authority. And it was truth. And it was merciful. And it was convicting. And it was amazing. And it was, and it just made the people go, what is this? He's not like those other guys. What he's saying has real authority. I mean, it's landing on me. It's true. Could you imagine, man? Whoa. Because with God, authority and truth go together. Here's something important for us to kind of get our minds around. It's Jesus' authority that makes something true. It's Jesus' authority that makes something true. Look, King Jesus created the universe and all the laws that govern it. Right? I mean, so the laws of physics are true because they exist under the authority of King Jesus. So when Jesus spoke the universe into existence, within those words 
came the laws of physics that would govern how the planets would operate in orbit and gravity and all. All of that was built into boom. So the laws of physics that govern this universe are true because they came from the authority of King Jesus. Hmm. The laws of nature obey King Jesus because he created them. Look at this, Mark 8, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? I mean, you, let me read between the lines. But don't, I created those waves. I created this sea. I created this planet. I created the universe. Why, why are you afraid? You're with the one who has authority over all of that. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. <laughs> Why? Because the laws of nature are true because they operate under the authority of Jesus. So when Jesus, who has authority over the laws of nature, says to the wind and the waves, calm. Authority. Huge. The laws of mathematics operate under the authority of King Jesus. Two plus two equals four. That's about all I got with math, by the way. Two plus two equals four. Always has, always will. Why? King Jesus created the laws of mathematics. Therefore, they are always true because it's God's authority that makes something true. When Albert Einstein discovered E equals MC squared, he simply discovered what King Jesus created when he spoke the universe into existence and commanded the laws of physics to govern what he created. So Albert Einstein just figures a little bit of that out. <laughs> and it's true, not because Albert Einstein discovered it, but because it operates under the authority of King Jesus. King Jesus has authority, and it's true. Here's another thing. Write this down. Because Jesus has all authority, the kingdom of darkness fear and obey him. Look what happens next. Man, this is crazy. Mark chapter 1 verse 23. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of that man. He ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into convulsions, and then came out of him. Now, 
Okay, it's re- really important we kind of get our minds around this. Um, so we're used to reading in the Gospels, right? Uh, Jesus' authority over demons, and, and man, uh, it's everywhere, all over the Gospels, right? And we need to understand, though, we don't want to miss what's going on here in this first kind of encounter with a demon in the ministry of Jesus. So just imagine you're sitting in the synagogue, captivated by this new rabbi. He's amazing. He, he has real authority, and you are dialed in, man, and your heart's pumping a little bit, and you're thinking, whoa, man, this is so great. Then this blood-curdling scream comes out of nowhere. Why are you interfering with us? Jesus of Nazareth. That's my best demon voice, by the way. Y'all like that? That's all I got. That's bad. That's about it. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One sent from God. Whoa. Now I'm going to tell you something. Now that is authority. And the demons recognize, boom, that fast, the authority of King Jesus. Could you imagine being there? That, I mean, you know that feeling, right? I mean, man, you're, you're, you're just dialed into something, and all of a sudden something happens, and your heart stops, you can't breathe, hair stands up on your neck. Just imagine that times a thousand, man. This is the presence and the voice of pure evil. Then almost as quickly as it happens, Jesus, verse 25 says, Jesus cut him short. (laughs) Don't you love that? Be quiet. Come out of that man. And at that, the evil spirit screamed through the man in convulsions, and then he came out. Bam, there it is. I mean, what an amazing thing, right? In a blink. I mean, these folks are sitting there, I mean, in a blink, the words of authority they heard became the power of authority they experienced. I mean, boom, Jesus teaching, teaching. They're like, whoa, whoa, screaming demon, be quiet, come out of him. Bam. So the words of authority quickly became power of authority over demons, man. Big deal, man. Mm. Now, you know those people sitting there are thinking, what just happened? I mean, on all kinds of levels, right? I mean, what just happened? First, I mean, I don't know if they did this. This is what I would do. Remember that the demon had possessed a man somebody lived there in the community with. I'd been like, is that Bob? I mean, who knew Bob was demon-possessed? I mean, I knew he was a bit of an odd duck, but demon-possessed? Whoa, man, you kidding me? Then, okay, wait, wait a minute. What did that demon say about Jesus? Because I thought this was just this new rabbi who seemed to be amazing, but 
What did that demon say? Who did that demon say he was? Hmm. And how did that, this rabbi just command that demon and it obeyed him? Whoa. By the way, a little side note here. Here's a great question to ask yourself. Have you ever wondered why, when you read the Gospels, there's so many demons, I mean, all over the place. Jesus casting out demons, right? There are so many demons in the Gospels, but almost nowhere else in the Bible. Did you ever wonder, well, what's that all about? I mean, how many of y'all grew up in church, been in church most of your life? Yeah, a whole lot of you. Of all those years of church, did a demon ever show up one time? Did one time, did you go, huh, who knew Bob was demon-possessed? Never, right? What? Why? So demons are always present, but are usually hidden, but they were uniquely and dramatically exposed during the ministry of Jesus on earth. Why? Here's the short answer. These evil beings were unable to conceal themselves in the presence of the king of glory. Couldn't do it. Not with the one who had complete authority over them. So when Jesus shows up, they're popping up everywhere can no longer be hidden, can't conceal themselves. There are just as many demons on planet earth in churches everywhere as there was then. But in the presence of the king of glory, they couldn't conceal themselves. All right, here's another thing. Write this down. Because as all authority, he can't be contained. Mark chapter 1, verse 27. Amazement gripped the audience. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I'd been amazed. I'm amazed just reading it, man. Amazed the audience, and they began to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked It has such, here's our word, authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Now, I think it's interesting to note here that, notice they didn't say, this man has such authority. This, they said, this teaching has such authority. I mean, they, they didn't get it yet, who Jesus was. That they're still learning But here's what they know. When the real deal shows up, people can't shut up about it. All right? When real authority is demonstrated, people can't shut up about it. That's still true, by the way, right? Can you remember a time in your life when it really sunk in? I mean, do you remember a time when you were far from God? Maybe you would say, yeah, I believe. But man, your life 
was a mess. Indulging every bit of the flesh you wanted to, doing anything you thought you deserved, I mean. And then the Holy Spirit starts to convict you. And you start feeling the weight of the guilt. And then, boom, Jesus forgives you. God pours his grace out on you, takes all that mess away. And all of a sudden, man, I don't have to live like that. I'm living in the grace and forgiveness of King Jesus. You remember that? Can't shut up about it. I mean, how are you going to shut up about that, man? You become a new person, right? Or maybe as a believer, when the world is heavy, circumstances are hard, and all that discourages you and weighs on you and all the things that just seem impossible. And the authority of Jesus shows up and takes care of it. Jesus shows up and meets a need that you had already decided was a lost cause. You can't shut up about it. You can't contain that. When the authority of Jesus starts operating in our life, and it does what only the authority of Jesus can do in us, you can't contain that. When it hits you that you are the recipient of the grace of Almighty God, you can't contain what the authority of King Jesus has done for you. So why then, why then would we ever do anything but bow under the authority of King Jesus every minute of our lives? It is so good. But here's why we don't. There are two lies that make us resist the authority of Jesus. Here's the first one. Write this down. I am independent. You know, that's a lie, right? I mean, but we, you know, we, Americans kind of have that thing. You know, I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need anybody. Man, I'm, I'm independent. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I don't need anything from anybody. You know, that lie works for a little while but will ultimately be your eternal destruction. Because we need Jesus. Here's a great question to ask ourselves. If the planets and the laws of physics and the laws of nature and the laws of mathematics obey the voice of King Jesus... If the demons and the kingdom of darkness obey the voice of King Jesus, what do you think will happen 
when you stand before him. Independent, rebellious heart is told to depart from me. I never knew you. You won't get a vote. You won't get a voice. You won't make an argument. You won't have bootstraps. Your independent heart will acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord from the torment of hell. That's it. You're not independent. Here's another lie we believe that keeps us from living under the authority of Jesus. I'm self-sufficient. I have or can provide everything I need. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, that only lasts when you're sick. You need some because you can't even make it to the kitchen to eat, but when somebody knocks on your door and brings you food and makes sure you're okay, that's a big deal, right? We can be self-sufficient until we're not when we get old and we can't do many of the things we used to do when we thought we were self-sufficient now you find you know what you find out I need people I'm living under the authority of God and I need people who are living under the authority of God and will show me the grace of God when I need it then you're gonna die And when you take your last breath, you're going to find out real quickly your next breath. You're not self-sufficient. When you stand in the presence of all authority. All right, some, some final thoughts about authority. Here's the first one. As believers... We have gospel authority. Don't you love that idea? Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now Jesus gives his church, us, some authority and tells us what to do with it. Verse 19, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. You are not alone. The one with all authority is with you. But God has given his church authority, gospel authority, to go into the world and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. That's why we do all those things. God has given us the authority to do it. And be sure of this. Without the authority delegated from God to his church, nobody would ever get baptized. Nobody would ever get taught. No disciples would ever get made. That all happens under the authority of King Jesus, but he gives his church gospel authority. That is a big deal. You have gospel authority. So when you think, well, I got this friend, and I know, man, I mean, I, uh, they're probably my one, but I never did really do anything about that because, oh, man, they're going to think I'm crazy or they're... 
You have gospel authority from God to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not you doing it. So trust God. Here's another thought about authority. What we do with the authority we have is a big deal. Look, we can use our authority for our own benefit. And if we do, here's what happens. Uh, It loses its power. And no one will ever, ever see Jesus in us. Sometimes we use the authority God gives us selfishly because we want justice. Mm. Question. Do you ever want justice? I think I know what's right, and I deserve justice. I want my justice. My spouse treats me terrible. I want justice, so I use the authority I have to try to force justice on them that I think I deserve. Hmm. All right, listen. If you listen, say amen. God's justice is always preceded by grace. God, who has all authority, who really is the only just one, God's justice is always preceded by grace. Is your idea of justice always preceded by an act of grace? If it's not, you don't want justice. You want punishment. Justice is under the authority of King Jesus. And justice is not ours to dispense. When someone is hurt or wronged you, it's natural to want justice. It's supernatural to leave that justice with Jesus' authority and simply show grace and forgive. You know, I spent the first half of my life angry because I had an abusive mom that I refused to forgive. It's just the way it was. She was mean, angry, abusive. I, I grew up in a home where you didn't have friends over because you just didn't know what you were going to find. Man. More than one time as a, just a young teenager, I'd have to hold my mom down, take a knife out of her hand so my dad could get out of the house. That's one of a hundred stories I could tell you. But you know, it was kind of bizarre though because there was also a really good side of my mom, which made it hard to know what to do with as a kid, right? Because sometimes, man, you're over the moon good mom. Sometimes, not so much. And 
Now listen to me. There came a time in my life when I just forgave her. I don't have any expectations. You know what? Jesus forgave me unconditionally. I'm going to do that to you, Mom. Told her that. Everything changed after that. I mean, she was still angry. She was still, well, I mean. But it didn't bother me. I wanted to help her. Now listen. When we don't forgive because we want justice, the desire for justice outside of God only leads to bitterness and anger. And I just decided God is just, I'm not, and I'm not going to live under that mess. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. So we should do that too, right? And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Instead of trying to make justice happen ourselves. Here's another uh, thought. Authority. There are always consequences. Rebelling against authority. Hmm. That's true every time, no matter what. It's true in our families. It's true as citizens of the United States of America. And it's absolutely true in God's kingdom. But we all have this thing in us. We've got this thing that says, I want what I want. God, your job's give me what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, I have the right to be angry and rebellious against you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. But a lot of people believe that. When you rebel against the authority of Jesus, there are always consequences. Even if you think you're just... There are always consequences. You know what consequences are often? Pain. Look what C.S. Lewis said. Pain plants the flag of truth within the force of a rebel soul. Powerful words, man. You know what he's saying? You rebel against God's authority. You're going to find some pain in your life. Not because God's trying to punish you. But because God knows pain is the best change agent. And he wants you back under the safety and the grace 
and the love of his authority. They're constant. It doesn't have to be that way. Under the authority of Jesus is all that we need and more. Trust him. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you (laughs) that you love us enough to be our protector, our king, our savior, our (laughs) Lord, our all in all, the one who provides everything we need, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. You do all of that for us under the umbrella of your authority where it's safe and kind and loving. But God, all of us have a rebellious soul. We think we can without you. God, for everyone here right now, living there, could you just let them know, God, that they don't have to live out there on their own where there's pain and you get weary and you get confused. That's why you said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. God, thank you for the rest that exists under your authority. We love you, King Jesus, and we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.